This episode of Truth Table is brought to you by InterVarsity Press, whose vision is to catalyze redemption, restoration, and revival in our divided and broken world. Follow IVP on Twitter at IVPress and visit IVP's website at www.ivpress.com. And Bipolar Faith, A Black Woman's Journey with Depression and Faith by Monica A. Coleman with a forward from Dr. Tama Bryant Davis, published by Broadleaf Books. Learn more at monicaacoleman.com. Hey y'all, it's Akemi. I'm back here at the table to introduce uh, another episode of our State of the Black Church series. This episode is entitled Healing Church Hurt. We know that church hurt is ubiquitous. It is something that many of us have dealt with um, and are currently still dealing with and maybe even reeling with. That's why we felt like we had to cover this issue. But we wanted to bring on um, some sisters that we know are qualified and equipped to speak to this very sensitive and tender subject. So I um, am happy to introduce to you both Dr. Tama Bryant and also Dr. Anita Phillips. And so y'all, we have another two for one special, if you will, here at Truth's Table. And so we have our Healing Church Hurt episode. The first interview that you're going to hear is with myself, Christina, and Dr. Tama Bryant here at the table, explaining what church hurt is, what spiritual abuse is, and how we can identify it, right? Because we need to be able to understand our own experiences and be able to really properly name them, right? Um, And then in uh, the second episode, or sorry, the second interview, you're going to hear us, most myself and Christina at the table with Dr. Anita Phillips, who will be talking uh, more concretely about um, some real life experiences of church hurt. And you're going to hear some really powerful, I would say, um, confessions and revelations in that interview. So thank you for taking a seat at the table with us. Enjoy. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Truth Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McCamini. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, C. How you doing, girl? Welcome to the table, E. How you doing? (laughs) (laughs) How am I doing and what am I not doing? <laughs> I, know. I know. I know. You had you had a very exciting evening. You are an auntie times three. Oh my goodness. So, yes. You know, that's 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 a that is a that's a wonderful yes. honor, the honor of the auntie. So no. congratulations. Yeah, thank you so much. We said midwives of culture for grace and truth. Listen. That 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 was literal, okay? At two thirty in the morning, okay. So I'm just I'm just saying. So <laughs> praise God! So I'm so, so glad. I cannot wait to meet my niece. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, such a blessing. I am honored and happy to be at the table. A little tired because you know we've been been up, you know, but but I'm excited about meeting my That's niece, awesome. third one. So <laughs> God is good. God is good. How are you? Thinking? How are you? I, I'm doing really good, and you know, I, you know, I, I love the baby, so I'm I'm excited about this this new human that we get to yes, we get to love, and so, and today we have a really wonderful guest. You, you know, you know the psychology heads. You know, I got a PhD in psych. All the psychology folks, you know, we we really we we really excited about this one. <laughs> <laughs> really excited. So I'm, I'm gonna let you introduce okay, to the people. Okay, I am. I'm really, really excited. Who we have here today? Well, first of all, let me tell you what the topic is on the table. How about that? Oh yeah, okay. yeah, for sure. Well, y'all, it's the state of the black church. That's how we come in in season six of Truth's Table, um, and we are just talking about different aspects, you know, of black church. And so we are talking about church 
hurt. Okay. Church hurt y'all. And we were like, you know, who, who we need to bring to the table to talk about this? And we were like, you know what? I mean, none other than Dr. Tama Bryant to the table. She is here to talk to us about and teach us about church hurt and just help us heal. So welcome to the table, Dr. Tama Bryant. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. I am honored and excited to be with you all at the table. Yes. Yes. And you know what? Just in case y'all don't know who, although I'm really surprised if you don't, but that's all right. Just in case you don't know who Dr. Tama is, let me tell you a little something about her. Dr. Tama Bryant is a clinical psychologist and president-elect of the American Psychological Association. She is also a professor of psychology at Pepperdine University and an ordained minister in the African Methodist Episcopal Church, my denomination. Dr. Tama (laughs) earned her doctorate from Duke University and completed her postdoctoral training at Harvard Medical School. With more than 20 years of experience in trauma recovery, she has appeared as a mental health expert on television, radio, and print media. Dr. Tama raises awareness about mental health issues on the Homecoming podcast and her social media platform. So welcome to the table, Dr. Tama Bryant. Oh, thank you so much. I am excited to be with sisters on today and really grateful for the topic because many people avoid it and it's important that we go there so that we can be whole and heal. Yes, yes. Oh my goodness. We're so glad to have you here to talk about that. Let's let's push in, let's press into it, you know. Um mm-hmm. Dr. Tama, what what is church hurt? Is this a colloquial term for something much more, much deeper, much more technical? Can you break it down for us? Yeah. Church hurt. So on a milder level, it can be uh, single events that are where something is said or done that is usually emotionally harmful to the person. Uh, when there is a pattern Uh, When there is a level of severity, the term people use is religious abuse. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Mm -hmm. whether that harm came from the leadership, from the doctrine, from uh, it being controlling and manipulative, that there is a harm. And we understand holistically because we are mind, body and spirit that it not only is a matter of hurting heart or hurting emotions, but also hurting people's spirits. And so many end up devastated and disconnected, sometimes not just from faith communities, but from God. Mm, mm. Thank you so much for that, Dr. Tama. And again, we we are psyched to have you here. And I and I know what Kimini mentioned in the bio that you're president-elect for the American Psychological Association. I just wanted to pause right there because that is that is a big deal. Mm. And I I am so grateful that you are in that role and you you have a commitment for me to be praying for you yes. as you serve in that oh. way. You know, as Thank we um you so much. And I just want to say yeah. it's so important that we have this merger between mm-hmm. faith communities and mental health communities. Yes. Uh, because at its root, when psychology originated, you know, most of the theorists were people of faith. Psyche means soul, study of the soul. Ah. And mm-hmm. then as there was uh, an attempt to be seen as more of a science, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the spirituality got disconnected. Mm-hmm. So the research now shows that on average, mental health professionals are less likely to endorse religiosity than the general public. So okay. then you often have people of faith 
looking for their restoration from people who, yes, have the psychological training, which is important. Uh-huh. Because mm-hmm. They just go talk to your pastor and pastor was never trained on yes. bipolar yes. disorder, suicidality, right. intimate partner abuse. Um, but from the mental health side, they can miss the ways in which we make meaning, yeah. uh, the, the spiritual resources and sometimes cultural resources uh, that help us to sustain ourselves. And so I'm grateful for my... Um, Um, joining the group of people who are seeking to be a bridge Mm, between the communities so that we can really be well. Absolutely. 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 So again, really excited to have you in that role. So as we think about church herd and in the more, um, and even that language, right, of of religious abuse and spiritual abuse, and what would you say um, makes uh, spiritual abuse sting the way that it does. What what are what's the scaffolding? What's the mm-hmm. what what are the components yes. that that renders an individual or mm-hmm. a, you know a family uh, kind of spinning yes. from from the trauma of their church experience? Yeah. So the two big pieces I would say are trust and God. Mm-hmm. So the trust factor is. Most people have entered into those spaces trusting that people there mean them well, right? The reason they join is that we're going to be part of this church family and that, you know, people are going to love us and turn to your neighbor and check Mm -hmm. on sister such and such. We call it fictive kin. Everybody's your sister, your brother, and and that people are going to be for you, right? So that, you know, can have a lot of people... Um, in that space with their guard down, as you would hope that you wouldn't have to be defensive in the house of God. However, right. human beings are human beings. And I think people who are raised in it are much more sometimes aware of the imperfections of people. Sometimes when people have come in it as a teenager as or as an adult, there's an expectation that this is going to be some different kind of people, as we are supposed mm. to be a different kind of people. And right, yet, right. you know, people are <laughs> people are people. And so right. uh, so that's what can be especially devastating is I entered into a place that was actually called sanctuary. Yeah. Right. Mm. This was supposed mm. to be the safe space. And so if these people would hurt me, then, you know, who can I trust? Then it gets multiplied because these are supposedly God's representatives. So if they think this about me and they say this is what God thinks about me, then, you know, how do you grapple with either the creator of the universe hates me or doesn't care about me or is mad at me? You know, and I had... Mm someone recently write into the podcast um, who, as a teenager, the entire church uh, uh, kind of turned against them, put them out because they uh, became pregnant. And so it was, uh, and so for years now, as a young mother, she's been living with this idea that God is mad at her. And so we think about um, the opposite of what God is, right? And we say, God is love. And what I always say to people is, does it feel like love in this space? This space you go into on Sunday mornings, does it feel like love? Do you leave feeling loved? Um, and if not, like, what is that? Uh, so that is what makes it particularly painful. And then the last piece I'll just mention is that often multiple people are involved, either actively mm-hmm. or silent bystanders, 
right? Because if you have one person who's mean to you, then you could say like, oh, this is a loving place. And there's kind of one mean person on the usher board, right? (laughs) But one, when it's a leader in that space, or when it is someone who seems to hold a lot of power and other people chime in with them or say nothing, uh, that, that multiplies the impact. My goodness. You said the usher board. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> I felt that. <laughs> the greeter. So it's supposed to be green. No, but it's not always the usher boys. No, I'm kidding, y'all. But um, <laughs> no, but um, you know, oh, I have so many questions, Dr. Tama. You know, I'm I'm curious about, you know, you've heard and people have said you can't heal in the same place where you've been hurt. Mm-hmm. How do you counsel? And, you know, it's a case by case basis. So, you know, I I do want to, of course, put that out there, of course. But what do you say, you know, to to somebody that's a a believer, say a Christian who's experienced spiritual abuse or church hurt at your church um, and they are and you're working with them, you're walking with them you know, so that they can get to a place of healing, wholeness, you know, and be, be able to get some, you know, some a distance from that, that trauma. Mm-hmm. How, you know, yeah. What, what is the first step? Is your encouragement for that person to go right on back into the church house, that same church house the next week? Is it take some time away? Is it completely, mm-hmm. you know, forsake the church altogether? Mm-hmm. What, how, yeah. What, what, yeah, what, what, what does somebody do? How do right. they begin to start that journey of healing? From Mm -hmm. Yes. So one of the important things is for the the therapist, the counselor to give a lot of validation and support because it can be disorienting when everybody else there is acting like this is normal. So people come in with a lot of self-doubt, like, is it me? Or, you know, and then they lay out this story where like, clearly uh, you were not treated well here. Right. And so I think just uh, kind of normalizing their response because they can also get blamed. I've seen it where people get hurt in the church and then they're sitting there in their pain and then they get ridiculed for not worshiping. Right. You know, that fix your face. So, you know, stand, wave your hand, smile, (laughs) turn around. And you are in the space with people who have harmed you and, you know, are just supposed to look joyful. And so both normalizing for them or or validating their experience that what was done uh, was harmful and that and then normalizing their response to it. You know, no wonder it was hard for you to focus. No wonder you didn't get anything out of the sermons after that. No wonder you always showed up late and left early. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. So just that that validation and support and then to have people begin to reflect within themselves. And that can be through their study, through their prayers. Who is the God I believe in? Because sometimes the God they have been presenting is not actually God. And some people are pretending to speak for God and it does not line up with what we know of the nature of God. Mm. And so you have to get clear with that in your head. In psychology, there's something called positive religious coping or negative religious coping. Mm -hmm. So positive religious coping, I believe that God is loving, that God is attentive, that God ultimately wants my good. And negative religious coping is that God is out to catch me messing up and God's going to get me. 
And that is like my overarching understanding of like who God is. So of course, uh, those who have a positive relationship with God uh, do better, you know, emotionally and uh, and really in every aspect of their lives. We There was a research study done in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, and they were interviewing children. These are black children. And some of the children said, Hurricane Katrina was terrible, but God protected us and God loves us and we made it. And then some of the children were saying, God sent Hurricane Katrina because it's too much sin in New Orleans. So it's a whole different understanding of like, who is this God, right? And um, so that that healing and and self-reflection, and I also want people to have permission to have a range of emotions. So some people are mad at God that God did not protect them in that space. And guess what? God is big enough to not be intimidated by our anger, by our frustration, by, you know, why did God let this happen to me? And I think often we shut down people's questions or, you know, we have that song, no doubt, no doubt. I don't have no doubt. Yeah. Well, some people have doubts, people and that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> like, I, got, I got some questions. I got some questions for God. Some questions for and, and, and that's, you know, uh, I, what I say around the doubts, because people are wondering, like, well, what is this? Is there any good in this? Mm-hmm. Um, to me, doubt is a sign of spiritual growth, because when you have no doubts, you have just memorized Right. My mama told me, my pastor told me I memorized the verse, but then life shows up. And when life shows up now, I have to really interrogate, like, what does this mean? And so that wrestling is faith formation. And on the other side of that, I get some clarity and some grounding. That's not just me borrowing my grandmother's faith. And so then in terms of people looking for uh, other church homes or being open to explore them, the analogy I use is, if you grew up seeing domestic violence or you had uh, an unhealthy dating relationship as a teen, you know, are you going to say all relationships are bad and abusive, so I don't want to date, right? Or can I distinguish between some experience and every experience? So some churches are foul. Some ministries are problematic. Some churches are manipulative and controlling and abusive, but that's not every space. And so the, the, the good thing now is, you know, some warning signs to look for. If they're talking that same way, if you have to meet with pastor one-on-one with the door closed and feel like he's, you know, doing inappropriate things. And I know like, I, I, I know what this is. I'm getting out of here. Yeah. Right. And so to check in with yourself and begin to honor yourself, how do I feel in this space? And, you know, if you take a little break before you start exploring, that's fine. Mm-hmm. In this time that we're living in, a lot of people are visiting places online mm-hmm. and even going to places in other cities and states. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you get to see the range. Yeah. You know, there are some things that are common, but then you'll happen upon some places that are a gift. And I'll just say about that. I was mm-hmm. interviewing uh, Dr. Monica Coleman, who wrote the book Bipolar Faith, mm-hmm. and she described after sexual assault mm-hmm. going into a church and like really falling apart, weeping at the altar and um, feeling like when she got up from there, nobody treated her any differently, that she was mm-hmm. able to fall apart and still have her dignity. And so that is important. How do people mm-hmm. handle your wounds? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 
That's right. That's right. Dr. Tama, that was so helpful. And as you were speaking, I was, I was thinking about, um, you know, I believe, but help my unbelief. I mean, that is in the midst of that, the tension of that, the intersection of that is, is where we begin to grow up in our faith, right? It's it's in the tension of I believe, but help my unbelief. So we're going to press pause here and do a short commercial break. And then we're going to get back to this, um, conversation with Dr. Tama Bryant. Em, do you know what's really important for the success of Black Books? Oh, I sure do. That pre-order action. That's we right. We want to make sure everybody knows that if you want to support Black publishers, Black books, Black authors, y'all come on out here and pre-order mm-hmm. this book. Yes, y'all. Pre-order Truth Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation at truthtable.com or wherever books are sold. Well, we are back and thank you everyone for sitting at the table with us. We are talking about an incredibly difficult topic and um, around church hurt and uh, both E and I, we, you know, we hear from people around the country for that where for them, Truth Table has been maybe um, their rest stop yeah. as they have found themselves uh, leaving places that mm-hmm. didn't know what to do with their wounds mm-hmm. or inf- or inflicted the wounds on them. Right. And and maybe didn't even want to acknowledge when wounding was taking place. Right. Wanted them to uh, be performative in their pain. And uh, Dr. Tame, I I would love for you to share with our listeners about the power. You mentioned validation, the role of the therapist validating the experience. Mm -hmm. But what we know uniquely when it comes to trauma, there's something about having a trusted voice say, I see you. Mm -hmm. I believe you. Why both spiritually and and maybe even uh, psychologically, why is that uh, why is that such a bomb? Why is that necessary? Yeah. So I uh, would love to connect that to Hagar, mm-hmm. a black woman who was the first one to name God the God who sees me. And it is very, very healing, especially for people who have often been rendered invisible. So in uh, the Zulu in South Africa, there's a greeting, which is Sawubona, and Sawubona means I see you. And there is something, and that's a part of why we keep doing the turn to your neighbor. (laughs) That's a part of why we march down the center aisle. And a lot of people can say, you know, oh, church is foolishness. Mm -hmm. Why are they doing that? But when you take a people who have been overlooked all week long and say, come Sunday morning, you're going to put on that robe and you're going to march down that center aisle and we are all going to cheer for you. That's not foolishness. It's healing. Mm -hmm. It's healing. And so... Uh, It is important, especially because there is so much silence in the sanctuary. Um, And especially when the person doing the abusive uh, behavior is either a minister or someone else in power, Um, you know, they are bullies. And so um, and then there's this language of and I'm going to say it the way people say it. Don't talk about the mind of God. You know, the mind of God. That's not God to you. (laughs) Right? Not. And so that becomes a shield by which if someone is gifted or anointed, they can do no Mm. wrong. And if they Mm. do wrong, who cares? Because they are a great singer. They are a great preacher. They bring in a lot of people. They bring in a lot of money. And so maybe you were seducing them. Maybe you were this. All of this uh, languaging that leaves people uh, vulnerable and Mm -hmm. uncovered. 
Come on. And so to say and uncovered uncovered, place that you were supposed to be covered Mm. there. You know, what happens when your covering is the abuser? Come on. And So then people can feel like they're just out here and never having been taught. God is our covering and we are to cover each other. I am my brother's keeper. I am my sister's keeper. And so when I see uh, people being uh, mistreated this way, in the house of God, that I, I can't just be silent, right? Uh, so it is important to connect and speak with them. I was doing a women's Bible study in South Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the Bible studies, a woman came in, and afterwards she came up and said, I really enjoyed the lesson, and thank you so much. I said, you're welcome. She said, I just wanted to check and see, is it okay for me to be here? And I said, I don't understand your question. And she said, well, I'm divorced. So they asked me to leave my old church. Oh, come on. Are you kidding? No, ma'am, you are. This this space is for you. I'm going to be looking for you every week. I'm going to be looking for you. Can you imagine uh, the harm, the harms that we do uh, to tell people they are unacceptable? And that's not God. That is our own uh, humanity. And it's, it's very problematic. Hmm. So problematic and just so hurtful. I mean, my heart is just whoo, torn in two yes. just hearing that. You know, like right. It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's not our house. It's you not. Know, come on, to be putting you know, people out of the house. house. Not our house. It's yeah, not our house. it's not. Yeah, we, we are just honored to be servants of the Lord mm. to be in the house. How about that? Right. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's invited, but everybody. Some people don't want to come. All right. Yes. Oh Lord, help us. So, so yeah. you know, Doctor yeah. I'm I'm curious. You know, um, you have so much wisdom. You know, we we see it on the Instagram, we see it on Twitter, and now we get to read it. In your book. I am so excited, you all, about yeah. the book, which is Homecoming, yeah. Overcoming Fear and Trauma yeah. to Reclaim Your Whole Authentic Self. Come on. Yeah. And the book is really inspired by the podcast, which has been going for two years. Yeah. And I have been so uh, overwhelmed by the reach and impact and what it does for me, it really is ministry. So growing up as a pastor's daughter, you know, we don't just believe in Sunday morning and then go like it's all week long, right? (laughs) That we are to be for the people. And so for me, the theme kind of is psychology for the people. Mm -hmm. Like this Mm -hmm. knowledge should not just be academy that like you need to be able to uh, read uh, these journal articles, which you need like uh, to get through the gatekeepers to access yes. or that, you know, many people are financially struggling in terms of finding a mental health professional. And That's so, right. you know, in the beginning, I used to say this podcast is not a substitute for therapy. Mm-hmm. And then people mm-hmm. say, well, this is my therapy. <laughs> so I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, it's not the same as therapy, but if, if you are finding some healing there, yes. Yeah. And, but what happens mm-hmm. is the episodes are like 30 minutes yeah. and people yeah. consistently want more. Yeah. And so I said, let me put the more in the book. That's right. And a part of what I address in the book is um, both our spiritual harm, but also our spiritual healing practices mm-hmm. that for us to be our whole authentic selves means not having to leave out my faith. 
And that uh, is a a critical component and I'm excited about it. It, uh, The book is released on March 15th. And this past weekend, I was able to record the audio book. So even folks who rather listen than read it, that will be available too. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what God does with it. Yes, that's so exciting. We are so excited for you, and and obviously we have a we have a place in our heart for Black women podcasters. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, uh, so we are we are so excited that uh, about this book coming out. I was thinking about you know we have a number of people who listen to Truth Table that are that are clergy, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and 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 just leaders in all kinds of ways as it relates to the life of the church. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they're listening to you and. Um, and it may be grieving because yeah. they, as leaders, know about. Church. Sometimes people mm-hmm. don't think that leaders know about church hurt. Leaders, oh really yeah, know, know it deeply, especially yeah, cl- women in ministry. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and and clergy families they, they yes. know about church hurt. Yeah. But, but but for the person who's listening, who's saying, "I believe this. I know it's real." Mm-hmm. But I want the community where God has placed me to mm-hmm. be to be trauma informed, to be yes. to be sensitive, to really be a sanctuary. Yeah. What what would you say is is number one, number two mm-hmm. uh, for for those leaders of local churches who are who are hearing this and and believe it, yeah. but want to respond in making that community truly a sanctuary? What are some of the things they need yeah. to get in order or to reckon with? Right. So it is important to know that mental illness is real. Yes. And that someone is not possessed by the devil because they have right. a mental illness. Right. And we don't usually, most of us don't claim that around people having a physical illness. Um, and right. yet uh, right. that is the way we um, pathologize or even demonize people. Mm-hmm. And to know that um, there is special training mm. uh, to be able to take care of mental health issues. And I know as someone who uh, earned a master's of divinity yeah. that most of our programs do not equip you. We had one class and, you know, it's a good program overall, but we had one pro we had one class on uh, ministry during times of crisis. Mm-hmm. And the whole semester was focused on grief and bereavement. Mm-hmm. And now that's an important issue and every minister will have to address it. But there was no right. lecture about child abuse. There was no lecture mm-hmm. about depression. Wow. There was mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. lecture about panic attacks. Yeah. Right. And so for ministers to be comfortable, one, educating themselves, but two, referring so we can work as a team. Yeah. So right. don't make people feel like they have to choose. Mm-hmm. I had a client who came to me and said, mm-hmm. my pastor said, I already prayed for you. So you need to stop letting those devil people mess with your head. Talking about her coming to therapy. And I wow. said, you tell your pastor that while some people are healed instantly, mm-hmm. like the woman who touched the hem of Jesus' yeah. garment, there are others who have to wrestle for their healing. And what we're doing here is the wrestling. And so she came back the next week with a big smile and said, he said I could stay. <laughs> he was like, he was like, wait a minute, your therapist. Wait a minute. God. <laughs> so I think just like therapists need to not be dismissive of faith communities because yeah. we usually only meet with people an hour a week. Your mm-hmm. church family could hang out with you all day, all night. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, so we can work as a team. And then the, the other piece I would just say is that connected to the story I just told that uh, some people live with conditions. And so uh, to not make it a bad thing 
that they are continuing with therapy or that for some people they're utilizing medication. Um, and that is not an indication of a lack of faith. God works in all kinds of ways and God can show up in a therapy session, just like God can meet you at the altar. That's right. That's right. Come on. Yes. God is everywhere. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and all powerful mm. everywhere. Right. Um, yeah. and, and I would also say for those who are members of faith communities to feel the urgency of mm-hmm. speaking up. You know, knowing that it makes a difference when someone from that community says, you know, I get it or yes, Mm -hmm. you know, grief is more than, you know, us bringing you food at the Mm -hmm. end of the week. Right. What happens to a month later, two months later, three months later, um, or even I'll say for our community to know that racism can be traumatizing. You know, we continue to see these images of black death that has an impact. So for us to take in the weight and I will say for ministers and their families to get emotional support as well. We've seen that Mm -hmm. rise in suicide as well as ministers clergy leaving uh, Mm -hmm. the the ministry because the weight is so heavy, especially in a pandemic. And so that along with God, that they also deserve some support in human form. Mm. That's right. That's right. That's good. That is good. Um, I know we're supposed to go, but I do got one more question and then we can wrap. But Dr. Okay. Taylor, I'm curious. One thing, because I, I, actually in that same vein, you know, uh, we do have clergy at the table and then we have, we, and we, we got saints, you know, that are at the table too. Um, and those who are not yet saints you know, um, at the table. And I'm curious about, if people are hearing this, right? Maybe people that have been, who are survivors, you know, of church hurt, who are still working through, um, their church hurt, but I also want to, I'm curious about those who have actually been the ones who have caused the harm. I'm yes. wondering if you can talk to those, um, or provide mm-hmm. some, maybe some questions, some ways that they can begin to interrogate themselves and be like, huh, did I mm-hmm. cause so-and-so to be harmed in this way? Did I do yes. something? Did I, yes. did I, um, uh, um, did I enable this in some way? Can you mm-hmm. help? You know, some yes. people that might be wondering, and how can they start uh-huh. assess and see right. if they were the ones and they need right. to do some repenting? You know? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Uh-huh. So I would uh, say if you and God always have the same voice, you may want to check yourself. If okay. you think a thought yeah. and that means God said it, then mm-hmm. some humility is in order. Hmm. And it's also important to know to challenge if you have the idea that tough love is the way for people to be delivered or healed, Mm. meaning that if you see someone broken down, you enjoy that, right? If you enjoy rebuking, that's Mm. the psychological issue. Because I, you know, people can, they can really get on a Mm. thing, but that's their thing. I'm the rebuker. I rebuke, I rebuke. Where where are your tears? Yes, yes. Mm. And so, yes, you may know how to humiliate people, but you cannot heal people you humiliate. So which one do you want to do? Do you want them to be healed or do you want them to be embarrassed? Come on, come on. Come on. All right. Well, that's, that's so good. And, 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 you know, and that's, that's, that's not just a word for, 
formal leadership. Yeah. But I think that it's a message for all of us mm-hmm. in our relationships and even our kind of our intrinsic relationship with ourself. Yes. Absolutely. You know, yes. In terms of our, our own language and communication mm-hmm. with yourself. Right. right. Um, and so that is just that is an amazing reminder that <laughs> grace makes that it's grace that makes things grow. Come yes, on. I love that. Yes, yes. yes absolutely, yes. absolutely. Wow. And as you said, for ourselves as well, because sometimes people who are so harsh with others can also be harsh with themselves yes. and their own families. Yes. And so, you know, to ask God to bless you with that nature of being loving, that you might yes. enjoy power. But ask God in this season, I want to actually be loving. Mm. I want mm. God you to help me to be softer. Mm. I want to mm. be like Jesus. Mm. <laughs> That's another Woo. song, right? That's another one. In my That's heart. In my, in my heart. That's right. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Wow. Thank you so much, Dr. Tama Bryant, for sitting at this here table with us. My goodness. Oh. Thank you for having me. I have enjoyed speaking with you all and know that this platform will continue to be blessed and may you be blessed for the work of your hands. I know it's a labor, a labor of love, uh, but I pray in every area of your life, you'll experience increase. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. What a joy it was to have Dr. Tama Bryant at the table, someone whom we've admired, respected, followed for many, many years. Uh, she has so much wisdom, so much insight, um, and so much expertise um, on this subject. And so we're grateful that Dr. Tama joined us. And now I'm excited for you all to hear from Dr. Anita Phillips and that you can hear some of the on-the-ground, real-world experiences of church hurt. Right and spiritual abuse and and um and the ways that it manifests right uh not only to the congregants but then also to the pastor pastoral staff and it's going to be a very very interesting uh interview and uh, eye opening I think so enjoy this table is built by black women and for black women so welcome to the table see how you doing girl. I am doing well. You know, I got a little sunlight coming in, shining, you know. You know how we feel about the sun. The people who listen, they the people who really listen, they know listen. that that we 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 serious about the sun. <laughs> although although we should all wear sunscreen. Let's yeah. let's add that as well. <laughs> right before the break we were talking about the sun is shining, but it's about thirty something degrees wrong. I know. <laughs> I know. It's a warmer day. It's a warmer day. So thank God. <laughs> we were just that talking about really how we good. gotta pray just to make it today. We're talking about, That's, we got we we need Jesus to pump gas. Wasn't it? Wasn't there yeah. a reel you sent me about that? I was like, yeah. yeah, we need Jesus for everything. And in, in the words of that of that great prophet uh, MC Hammer, we do have to pray just to make it today. So yes, and so and today, you know, um, thank thank God that we have another just awesome gift to the church. Um, Dr. Anita Phillips is with us here today. I know you're going to intro her, but we're still moving through this topic of church hurt and spiritual abuse. And we we know that we have heard from many, many, many people throughout the years about um, this pain and this anguish. And so we're just so happy to be able to, to offer this part of this series and to be able to invite in these exceptional guests. So um, absolutely. Why don't you why don't you welcome our guest today? I sure will. Y'all, we are the topic on the table is still church 
hurt, okay? And so I'm honored to have Dr. Anita Phillips at the table with us. Welcome to the table, Dr. Phillips. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to the table. I am well and looking forward to diving into this one with y'all. Yes, yes. We are looking forward to it too. But before we do, let me tell the sisters at the table a little something about you just in case they do not know who Dr. Anita Phillips is. Dr. Anita Phillips is a nationally acclaimed trauma therapist and In the Light podcast host. She is recognized for her groundbreaking work at the intersection of mental health, faith, and culture. This versatile and dynamic speaker and preacher, can I add that, um, is bringing mental health and illness to the forefront in the communities of faith and strengthening racial unity in the body of Christ. Dr. Anita holds a degree from University of Maryland, Regent University, and Johns Hopkins University. At home in Dallas, she's enjoying the empty nest life with her husband, Michael. So welcome to the table, Dr. Phillips. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I am enjoying it. <laughs> Yes, you go ahead and enjoy that. Look, I'm enjoying it. It's it's quiet and good. And there's very little food here, which is a a very major perk. Our refrigerator is basic. It's so basic. There you go. There you go. Well, look, we're going to need the the podcast listeners are going to have to make sure that they um, that they see the video. Because they have to see that little dance that Dr. <laughs> Dr. Phillips just did. That was a short, that wasn't like really actually a praise dance. That was more like we about to go out dance. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> when when, when the committee said the words empty nesters, so, this, this gives me hope. I'm looking forward was, to that. Day. It was a holy twerk. It was a holy twerk. Sanctify the twerk. Sanctify. It's all good. Well, you know, Dr. Phyllis, my goodness, we have so many questions for you, but I want you to, I want to see if it's possible for you to help our listeners locate themselves within the subject of church hurt. Can you talk to us about the ways, practical ways that church hurt, spiritual abuse, you know, um, manifests, you know, like what are some, some narratives that you've heard that you witnessed that you've observed that maybe our listeners can be like, oh my goodness. And that happened to me at my church, or I've seen that happen. Can you kind of illustrate some of that for us? Absolutely. You know, as I was preparing to talk with you all today, my mind was just roaming across the landscape of my own experiences, right? I'm a pastor's kid, uh, grandkid, great grandkid, wife of a pastor. And so I grew up in leadership in the church. I, my husband and I just finished 18 years as the senior pastors of our church. We just stepped out of that position. And so, well, then I've also done, thank you, we survived it. And it wasn't that bad. And um, I've also done a lot of sex abuse recovery counseling within the church walls. Wow. And as a pastor slash pastor's wife, uh, I have hurt people. Mm. As a member of the church, I've been hurt. Mm. And mm. as a therapist, I have helped people recover from hurt. And so... Mm. We could talk about this a lot of ways. I think one thing I do want to just start with, because I know we're talking about the state of the Black church overall, is that being wounded in our faith communities is not limited to any group. Oh, absolutely. And so often I feel like as Black people, we're always working to make sure we don't internalize any racism. And so we can be like, well, you know, the Black church, sweetheart, I have been in all the churches. Listen. I've been in all the churches. And I think that's important to say because sometimes we are so, we narrow on ourselves as having some unique problem. Uh, Whereas I've been in churches that are predominantly and historically white, there is a very specific 
flavor of wound that happens there. There's a certain flavor of wound that happens in churches that are predominantly black. So while our cultures, which all have gifts and liabilities in our cultural perspectives, are going to shape that, it's not limited. Sure. And so let don't let the black get any mess on it because we love being black. Yeah. But when it comes to the wounds that we suffer, I think we really have to look at how deeply entwined our emotional lives and our spiritual lives are. Mm. And they are meant to be. We were created that way. The seeds of the word are sown into our hearts. Our emotions also live there. That's where we receive Jesus. That's what we open up to be with the Lord and to be with the community of faith. And so our emotions and our spirit life are very much intertwined. The Bible says so. We were made that way. And because of that, we're vulnerable in our faith spaces in a unique way. So as a therapist who primarily works with clients who are Christians, and as a professor who trains other therapists, I was often telling my students, be careful because your clients will be doubly vulnerable. Mm -hmm. They're coming for emotional help and spiritual help. And so the wound can go deeper because we're more open. Mm -hmm. I want people to realize that in case it's like, well, man, it shouldn't have hit me this deep. Yeah, it should have because you were wide open and you were vulnerable. And so the the wound can be deeper and, and, and more painful. As a kid growing up, spiritual wounds. I had an older sister who's passed away now, but had serious mental illness. Mm-hmm. And when we were growing up, and this is not even a time in our, in our history when we were ignoring mental illness or refusing to talk about it. We just didn't even know about it, right? Nobody was having this conversation in the late 70s, early mm-hmm. 90s, right? And so the different explanations for my sister's behavior that were spiritual or not, and why isn't God intervening? Mm-hmm. Why is my mom crying all the time? And People at Sunday school are telling me, just trust God, it's going to be okay. So that's an early move for me because there was confusion between what you're saying God's role is in this and what I'm seeing happen. So there can be a wound there alone. We're not, I wouldn't call it spiritual abuse, but definitely I was dealing with pain that was beyond my ears and I was being given a theological interpretation that was also beyond my ears. And so sometimes we fail to bring the word to where people are. And really nail that down and not let the fear of someone letting go of God stop us from presenting God Mm -hmm. and actually hearing their pain. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, yeah, so many rich things that you've already shared with us, uh, Dr. Phillips. And, you know, I think... um, uh, you know, uh, Kimmy and I, with Truth Table, we we have actually spent, we spent a lot of time talking about... um, really the the devastation of 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 white supremacy on mm-hmm. black bodies uh black mm-hmm. minds black relationships and um and really a lot of honor to the the black church today and its historical roots as well um as as representing the social sanctuary for black people from the hush harbors to the mega churches or to the storefronts of today so there's a great deal of respect and appreciation so when we we tend to talk about it in a um with a great deal of adoration, and yet we know that there is a there's a generation who feel mm-hmm. um, a particular wound or frustration with with the black church, um, mm-hmm. and so we, we are often trying to hold those two tensions of always of, of honor that is absolutely due, um, mm-hmm. and and recognizing that white supremacy would love to attack uh, the the cornerstone of the black community, 
which is still the black church right now. So I thank you for highlighting those pieces for us and reminding us of of that particular um, element. So one of the things that you you share with us, and I just think it's so important for leaders to be to to take stock and to just and to be honest about um, even our most well intentioned ways as as leaders, because we have power. um, Yes, we can sometimes end up misusing it. You know, in ways that we just we just weren't even aware of. It may not have been mm-hmm. intentional, may not have been malicious. And so, mm-hmm. one of the things that you just shared, which blew me away, is that in your role as a leader, you know that you have been a part of hurting yeah. others. In your role as a member, you know that you have been hurt. And um, that confession, I think, is powerful. So, I want to park there for a second. Yeah, sure. And I want you to speak to the pastors and leaders, and we have many (laughs) who listen to Truth's Table, um, about the power of that confession, why that confession is important. It's critical because humility is at the core of who we need to be as leaders. Yes. It is at the core that we have our eyes on our fallibility, that we are open to confession, to repentance, and to reconciliation. And it can definitely get lost. It's it's a hard position to be in. People are, the light is on you. There's a lot of criticism that comes your way and it can be easy to become defensive in a way that stops you from being self-reflective. And for us, my husband and I became the senior pastors of our church when we were 29 and 30 years old, respectively. Mm -hmm. I'm 48 now. And my 30 year old self was a child a child when I compare it to where I am now, but I didn't feel that way at the time. I definitely was, was aware of the magnitude of what we were stepping into, but I've definitely matured since then. And I really, one issue in particular, I can remember that a young woman who I had been working really hard to help. And I was just an early therapist too. I mean, I had just graduated, so I didn't have all of these skills. And finally, she said something that really made me angry. Mm-hmm. And I responded angrily. Mm. And we got into it. Mm. Absolutely did. And she left the church. And at the time, I didn't feel bad about it, like I had done anything wrong. Because here I am, just the extent that I had gone to, to help her. And it really, it really hurt me. And that's what it was. Hurt is what's under anger many, many times in an interpersonal situation. And so I responded inappropriately. And at the time, I didn't feel like it was inappropriate. It was just like, I am a human being. I'm allowed to be angry. You know, I was really just trying to work through those feelings. But it was my my behavior was below the standard that it should have been for leadership. It was not a norm for me mm-hmm. at all, mm-hmm. um, which I think I allowed myself to use that to justify it because it was mm. such a isolated mm-hmm. out of character incident for me. Yeah, I hear but I tell you, it was seven years later that I sought this young woman out, mm. asked her to meet me at a restaurant. Yes. And it might've been maybe, it might've been eight or nine years, but it was a significant time um, to apologize mm. because I felt like it was really important to do that and to ask for her forgiveness. Mm. And, uh, I don't want to paint myself as a hero for doing what I should have, but I do want leaders to hear me say it doesn't diminish your authority to apologize Mm -hmm. to someone that you lead. Just like it doesn't diminish my authority as a mother to apologize to my children 
which right. I also do regularly. Right. And so it's important for leaders to ask themselves questions about how they're processing criticism, how they are giving of their own selves and, and knowing where their limit should be, mm-hmm. right? Because I was pouring out, pouring out, pouring out far beyond what I should have mm-hmm. trying to help her. And so I had to learn those boundaries as a person, as That's a right. leader. So there was so much messiness entwined in there, but ultimately as the leader is my responsibility. And it can be hard to parse that apart if you're under fire constantly. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. It can be hard, but it doesn't absolve us of the responsibility. So in that moment, because of the power that I held in her life, in that moment, it's, it, it shames me to say even now, mm-hmm. I was abusive mm-hmm. in that moment. That was an abusive response for me to allow my anger like that was an abusive moment. And it changed me Yeah, because I didn't ever, ever want to feel like that again. And so I had to get Anita together mm-hmm. and work on things. So this is a reason why it is so critical for us as leaders to be emotionally well. Mm-hmm. And there's a recent... Barna, a research study that came out about the wellness of pastors in general. And I believe, don't super quote me, but I believe as much as a third of the pastors who responded were ranked as not well, their well-being was not good. And for those who weren't, their emotional well-being was rated as the worst. So they looked at emotional, physical, spiritual, financial, all these dimensions of well-being. And for those who were suffering, they rated their emotional well-being as the worst. They're worn down. Um, There's so much that goes along with being a leader. And so sometimes it really is just that the leaders need to take care of themselves. And and I think we're learning that now in ways that we just didn't know before. Mm -hmm. And the demand right now, as you said, C, is higher. This is there's a generation that's just like, please stop bringing me to foolishness. You should know this and you should know that. And they're absolutely right. As always, the culture evolves more quickly than a single generation does. Mm -hmm. And so until something hits you square in the mouth, you're not always aware of how things have changed. And when you have now, this is a particularly unique and beautiful element of the black church. Leaders can be leaders for decades. Yeah, it's it's a die with your boots on kind of culture, mm-hmm. and so <laughs> no you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. No retirement because it's like it's not what I do; it's who I am. Yeah. Spiritually, we have that identity, and that's one of my favorite things about the Black Church. But it also means that the the decade or two you started in, you can get stuck in. Mm-hmm. Come on, and then we had a real <laughs> breach, right? We had a real breach, mass incarceration, the rise of addiction being allowed in our communities, um, police brutality, poverty, bad education systems in our inner mm-hmm. cities stripped a generation out of church. Absolutely, yeah. there's a generation that was in jail, that was mass incarcerated, dying from right. from drugs flooding Mom. our communities. And so, first it was mom taking kid to church. Then it was grandma taking grandkid who they had care through the foster system, through kinship care, taking grandkid to church. And then it was taking great grandkid to church. I mean, we we didn't have the natural generational evolution. And so now you have a generation who's trying to come back, but they're like, what's going on in here? And the generation that was still there hasn't caught up. And there's a gap that needs to be bridged. Yes. And it's hard work, but I believe we can do it. But it is going to take humility mm-hmm. on the side of leadership. Mm. That's that is definitely one of the most um, simple and comprehensive analysis that I have heard yes. to explain um, 
the urgency of this moment. So I just, I so appreciate what you just shared there simply. And I also really appreciate the awareness of when we talk about uh, church hurt and church, uh, church of spiritual abuse, it is so easy to think like them over there. Uh, but until we can reckon with our own, um, I am the man, our own, I, I, yes, I am the one, right. Our own, our own um, abusive tendencies or inclinations or um, then, you know, it will always be an abstract and out there problem. So I just, mm-hmm. I am so grateful for you sharing that story. And I hope that as people are listening, I know as I'm, I took that in, I am going through the Rolodex of my own mind, considering who, who do I need to call? Um, mm. Who do I need to apologize yeah. to? Right? Uh, what what breach do I need to repair? Even if I don't own all the pieces, if I own some of the pieces, right? Um, there is enough grace to tell the truth and enough grace to repent. Yeah. And so, just thank you for that reminder. Yeah. And not only just leaders, you know, um, to congregants, but congregants to leaders. We the ones that do the cutting. Let me tell you. So, let me just. I can't even tell you what it would mean <laughs> yeah, yeah, for a yeah. leader to receive that apology. Mm-hmm. I can't even tell you what it would mean, but it would mean a lot. It would mean a lot. It would mean a lot. Amen. I, bet. I bet it would. I bet. I remember many years ago, I had to go and repent to my pastor, whom I heard, you know, with my own words, you know. And so, yeah, this is this it goes both ways sometimes it really does so uh, let's take a quick commercial break because i can keep going <laughs> take a quick commercial break and we will re- we will be right back at the table with dr anita phillips here at truth's table y'all know how important intergenerational Connection and solidarity is really important to us. It's one of our values here at Truth's Table, which is why we're happy to share this new book with you, Speaking Across Generations by Daryl E. Hall. As values, communication styles, and technology change rapidly between generations, it can be a challenge to communicate effectively to intergenerational churches and audiences. But now, more than ever, It is vital that pastors, teachers, and communicators rise to the challenge. If you want to understand how different generations hear, Speaking Across Generations has the tools to help you become generationally multilingual. Pastor Daryl Hall, a millennial himself, harnesses the insights of generational science to explore how generations are distinct people groups with their own cultures and languages. With fresh research from the Barna Group on how generations communicate, speaking across generations sheds light on how each generation receives verbal messages from boomers and Xers to millennials and Gen Z and those not yet named. Truth's Table listeners can save 30% off and get free U.S. shipping on Speaking Across Generations when they order at ivpress.com using promo code TRUTH22. That's promo code TRUTH22 when you purchase Speaking Across Generations at ivpress.com. You'll save 30% off the book and get U.S. free shipping. Bipolar Faith is now available in paperback. This stunning spiritual autobiography and memoir of mental illness examines Dr. Monica A. Coleman's long dance with trauma, depression, and the threat of death in light of the legacies of slavery, war, sharecropping, poverty, and alcoholism 
that masked her family's history of mental illness for generations. As she enjoyed success in her career and in Christian ministry, Coleman was fighting deep depression and undiagnosed bipolar II disorder. She cites encounters with Black intellectuals like Henry Louis Gates Jr., Angela Davis, and Renita Weems as an account of how the unmodulated highs of bipolar II can lead to professional success, but can also mask the truth. Only when she was able to face her illness was she able to live faithfully with bipolar. And in the process, Coleman discovered a new and liberating vision of God. Get your copy of Bipolar Faith now at broadleafbooks.com or anywhere books are sold. Okay, we are back at the table with Dr. Anita Phillips. My goodness, she just gave us just the intergenerational analysis of what's, you know, uh, of how the Black church has been deprived by systems, right, from mass incarceration to this police brutality, and then talking about her own need to confess and to repent um, um, for our harm that she does so, has has done. It's so powerful, so very powerful. And so, um, Dr. Phillips, can you talk to us about um, some signs of trauma, some signs of spiritual abuse. How can someone identify um, whether they are uh, reeling or suffering as a result of uh, uh, or having a trauma response from their own experience with church hurt or spiritual abuse? Sure. So one of the ways that I like to define trauma mm-hmm. that I feel is really accessible to people is that a trauma is anything that changed your view of yourself. Mm other people, the world, or God for the worse. If that has happened, I would invite you to examine whether that's a trauma space. Because trauma, yes, we know it overwhelms, trauma overwhelms the nervous Mm -hmm. system. We understand the triggers and all of that happens in our bodies, our minds, but it changes something. Mm. A belief, a new belief is sown into the soil of our hearts Mm. and takes root. Mm that I can't trust God in this area. I can't trust leadership. I can't trust the church. When something happens like that, you are likely in the realm of a trauma. Mm. And so I had a young woman on my podcast last year who experienced significant racial trauma at a white-led multi-ethnic church in 2020. And she was a one of their worshiper, worship leaders. And she mm. was so devastated by it. But she wasn't going to church at all at the time with that I interviewed her. Mm-hmm. And she couldn't even listen to worship music mm-hmm. because the response that she would have was connected to the trauma she experienced. So if you find yourself yes. pulling away from things that were associated with your spiritual practice, that is a red flag. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, if that happens, when that happens, one, I want to just acknowledge you something has gone awry in a way that changed you. I encourage people to look at where the damage is primarily. And let me say that, say it this way. Man, I got a many a story. I have a a colleague who is a member of a church where a few years ago, the pastor was found out to have been, well, I should say the pastor was proven to have been having a series of affairs. Mm. Uh, I think the rumors had been longstanding, but there was hardcore proof. There was a lawsuit and other things that came to light. And she was talking to me about this spiritual trauma that she felt from that. And in our conversation, it really became clear that her trauma was primarily emotional and that she was in emotional pain, significant emotional pain, but it had not altered 
her view of God at all. She was good there. Emotionally, she was grieving the loss of this leader relationship, this father kind of relationship that she had and, and the disappointment of that and the, and how it was triggering her own experiences in her life with her biological father. And so we figured out that you really have been emotionally traumatized in this area, but spiritually you are intact. And I don't like to divide us in pieces because everything influences everything else, but I do think it's, it's okay to focus on where the wound hit hardest and then follow the ripples from there. Some people at the church were struggling though, from a spiritual perspective in that if this man could do all of these things and preach here every Sunday morning and, and, and lead us into these intense spiritual moments and also be behaving that way, is any of this real? Mm-hmm. And so some people were more shaken in their spiritual space, even than their emotional mm-hmm. space. And so where did you, where did the arrow hit you? Mm-hmm. And let's start mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. I think that that's really important. We can't divide it completely, but I do think it's good to identify where the arrow hit you Mm -hmm. so that you can begin your healing work in the space that's most relevant to where you are. You know, and, and just that invitation to do the, the body scan, to do the, um, the, the emotional work Mm -hmm. to to like chew on that question is an invitation to, to, to sit with that, to sit with yourself, right. Instead of the Mm -hmm. avoidance that often happens as a trauma response so that, um, so that it grows and that the, the toxicity grows, but to, to kind of say, let me find out where this wound is. That's just a great deal of wisdom. So, you know, you know, again, there are countless numbers of people right now who are experiencing um, church hurt and, um, they they are done. At least that's what they are saying today. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they they feel very much done, and and I think part of that is because it requires some degree of hope for healing to take oh, yeah. place, um, and that there's a way in which we can we can move towards healing even if we're not healed with the ED. Mm-hmm. And so I would love for you to help expand our wounded and traumatized imaginations. Um, and to remind us of, of the hope of healing um, for the people mm. who are listening. And this has become their um, their church. And we're not the church, y'all. <laughs> we always give that disclaimer, like we're not the church. Um, but, but, I, but I get it. I get it. Because I, yeah. I have my own wounds in many arrows. Um, mm-hmm. But if you could remind us of that, the hope of healing, what would you say mm-hmm. to our listener right now who's even, even weeping, weeping mm-hmm. as they're listening to us today? Mm-hmm. I first want to say again, for the leader that won't ever say it to you, I am so sorry. If you'd please just allow me as a leader to stand in that space and say, I am sorry. Yeah. I failed you. Mm. And mm. We, we as a corporately, as a group of leaders have failed you. And I want to be a voice of repentance mm-hmm. in your life. Mm-hmm. Have hope for healing without a destination in mind, without a decision about what that must look like, Hmm. because we don't know where our journeys will take us. But anytime we have a wound, it is prone to infest our entire lives. And I don't want that for you. Come on. That 
is a challenge. And so I would ask you to reflect on what the worst part was. Kind of as I was saying before, what where did it hit you? What was the worst part of it? And find a safe place to have conversation about that. Don't just internally ruminate about it or avoid, but a friend, anyone, and please shed all concerns about, well, if I start talking about it, you may have some sense of guilt because there's still part of you that's like, I don't want to say bad things about the church. And I don't want to, all of that gets wrapped up in there. I encourage you to shed that, that um, sense of obligation in lieu of getting your freedom and see where there is a universal thread in your life with this pain trusting people in general, being vulnerable in general, being in a space where you can't control and or guarantee exactly who is in the room with me in general. What echo in your life is familiar to this? Because if we don't heal this, Mm -hmm. it's just one more domino in the chain of complex PTSD that will fall every time you encounter this emotion in another place and you deserve more. And I want you to have more. Mm. I don't know if you'll ever go back to church. I don't know if you'll find just a circle of women to read the Bible with. Mm. I don't know. I don't know what will happen. Mm. That's the part that I don't want you to worry about. When I first started doing sexual abuse recovery groups inside of churches, it was tight because we sometimes found out the abuser was also in the building. Um, One of the things that I was very adamant about as I trained other leaders to help me as well to to minister to these women through counseling was not to make a demand on anyone for anything. Mm. Very often the first quote unquote step that's presented to Christians when they're trying to heal from something is to forgive. I'm not asking you to do that. Mm. You may not have the strength to do that right now. Yes, our Bible does require us to forgive, but I refuse to apply that in an abusive manner. That's right. And so take your time. That's not even on the table right now. If you're wounded to the extent where that would re-traumatize you, just breathe in Mm -hmm. love, grace, and an embrace that I believe by the spirit you feel from me right now. Mm -hmm. Stay in this space. Have hope that you can heal because you deserve to have healing in your life. Mm-hmm. And we'll see what happens after that. Mm. That's right. That's right. Moment by moment. Grace for each moment. Grace in each moment. My goodness. Thank you so much, Dr. Anita Phillips. I mean, you just really set the atmosphere. I honestly literally feel like in my spirit, I feel like I'm laying prostrate on the altar, you know? Um, and so which for me, that would be like just sanctuary. I know that that may not be <laughs> for the case for everybody else, but my goodness, it's just, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, Christina just said, she was like, the Holy Spirit is working. The Holy Spirit is at work right now um, in our conversation. And I just, and thank you for giving the freedom and the grace for, for our listeners and our sisters at the table to know, you know, let's, let's work on healing without worrying about the destination. Let's just, let's work on your healing. You deserve more. Just all these nuggets that you're, that you've been dropping. Just thank you so much. Thank you for availing yourself and, and giving those gifts and just, just really just giving just a gracious invitation 
toward healing, right? For our sisters at the table, we so need it. We really need it, particularly this generation. We just need it. Um, who's just being pressed on so many different, so many different sides and so many different ways. So thank you for that. We want to thank both Dr. Tama Bryant and Dr. Anita Phillips for taking a seat at the table with us. And of course, we want to thank y'all for taking a seat at the table with us too. So let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about healing church hurt, state of the Black church, using the hashtag truths table. And Black women, did y'all know that we have a Black women's Facebook discipleship group? Well, make sure you follow Truth Table on Facebook and join our Facebook group today. Invite your homegirls too. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Truth Table or email us your thoughts at info at truthstable.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truth Table has a Patreon account so y'all can send your love offerings to patreon.com slash truthstable or you can bless us at our PayPal, which is paypal.me slash truthstable. Truthstable is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York. And Daryl Bradford is our video producer. We have been your hosts, Kemeny and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truthstable. Bye, y'all.